You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is at odds with the federal government, saying he's given up hope on getting help from the Trump administration. In this segment, you'll hear from Pritzker as he joins national political reporter Robert Costa. Let's listen. Welcome back. Good afternoon. And if you're just joining us, I'm Bob Costa, national political reporter at The Washington Post. Joining me right now is Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois, a Democrat. He was elected in 2018 and before that spent years in business, philanthropy and politics, often with a focus on Chicago. Governor Pritzker, thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. Glad to be here. Thanks so much. You've spent a lot of time in recent days on medical supplies. You've ordered personal protective equipment from China, airlifting it back to Illinois. What's the latest on that front? Well, we've managed to get millions of items of PPE back to Illinois. Um, We've been working on this project for really more than a month now, uh, making sure that we've got the supply chain worked out so that we can get the gowns and goggles and N95 masks and surgical masks that we need to keep people protected. And then, of course, we've needed to acquire ventilators. Uh, That's a difficult endeavor. Uh, Fortunately, the way we've bent the curve now, it looks like and we may need fewer ventilators than we did before, but we're still gonna need an awful lot of PPE, especially as, as we move forward, thinking about how we're gonna reopen aspects of the economy in the months ahead. We got a lot of questions from our viewers and readers, Governor, about you know what drove the decision to turn to China for these supplies rather than to the national stockpile? Well, the national stockpile has been depleted. The uh, The president and the federal government really have not distributed uh, much of anything to the states considering what we asked for. Here in Illinois, we've maybe received 10% of what we needed. And so uh, they've uh, turned it back to the states and said, well, you guys are on your own. So as you know, we've had to compete with all the other states and with uh, other countries and even with our own federal government in order to get PPE. I didn't turn to China. I turned to the world, wherever it is that I could acquire it, whether it was here in the United States or elsewhere. As it turns out, most of the PPE that comes to the to uh, hospitals and uh, you know that's needed in the United States actually is manufactured in China. So uh, we went to where the manufacturers were, acquired the PPE, and then shipped it over here directly to the state of Illinois. Can you shed a little light, Governor, on the details? How much, in terms of these supplies, is in Illinois right now? Well, we've again, we've acquired millions and millions of items of PPE. We, when we receive it, we distribute it. We have 102 counties and public health departments across the state of Illinois. And so we make sure they have what they need. And then we back up the city of Chicago and all the hospitals across the state to make sure they get what they need. So we're you know, in the business of being the stockpile for everybody here in the state, or at least the backup for them. Uh, and fortunately, we've been able to, to supply everybody with about seven to 10 days on a consistent basis. Uh, and then you know, we know what the burn rate is at each of these places so that we can keep replenishing them. Has the federal government been frustrated with your effort? Have they tried to seize any of the equipment at all? We are aware that across the country, the federal government has seized items of PPE that have come in from outside the country. Uh, so, you know, we, we, they have not managed to interrupt our supply or at least our direct supply uh, efforts. And, you know, we hired private aircraft 
uh, to go pick up what we needed and have it delivered here. Those two flights that we already arranged have arrived here and we have that PPE in our state stockpile. It is coming from a different country and it's not going through the FDA or, or other agencies. So how are you testing that equipment to make sure it's prepared for use by frontline workers? So much of it is designed to meet the FDA specifications. Uh, and then when it arrives here in the United States and here in Illinois, what we do is we take it to our warehouses and then we open up the boxes and make sure, you know, you can't go through every single mask, but you take samples from each of the, uh, you know, shipments that have come over uh, to make sure that we got what we paid for and also that it's effective and can be used where we need it. So you're part of this whole national debate about when to reopen certain states. What does the data show in Illinois? Has Illinois peaked or is it ready to reopen? We have not peaked. And, you know, one of the interesting things is, as you may know, we were the second state in the United States to uh, put forward our uh, stay at home uh, rule. And uh, people have really been abiding by it for the most part. And so the result of that has been the pushing out of what had been anticipated to be a peaking in the middle or near the end of April. So it's been pushed out now, according to the models, to maybe mid-May, but at a lower level. And so we're, we're moving, inching toward that date. Uh, people are doing what they need to do in the state of Illinois, staying indoors or staying at home, um, wearing masks outside, as I've urged everybody to do, uh, making sure they're washing their hands and, and all the other things that we've asked people to do. So the result is that, that you know, we've had many fewer deaths than were anticipated. Our hospitalization rate is somewhat stable, uh, climbing a little bit, but somewhat stabilizing. Uh, and of course, our uh, ventilator needs have gone down, interestingly, partly because we've bent the curve, but also because the treatment, the way that doctors are uh, treating the people who seem like they need to go on ventilators is now uh, different than it used to be. They're trying to keep them off of a ventilator and instead using their own therapies, turning people over, or having them lay on their stomach instead of their backs in order to oxygenate the entire lungs. Uh, so uh, we're, we're fortunate that all of that has developed over time and that we're going to be able to keep more and more people alive. Governor, you said most people are following the rules and the order, but I did take note of a protest in Springfield, the state capitol. Is there a divide between those downstate and, the, and those in the Chicago area when it comes to following your stay-at-home order? Well, those are two different things. The protests that occurred in Springfield, I think there were about 20 protesters that showed up. There were about 10 counter-protesters that showed up, uh, some of them nurses in hospitals, you know, who understand why we need to have a stay-at-home order in place and are on the front lines risking their lives. Um, different question is the question of whether things are, you know, in rural areas of our state. Remember, 75% of our land mass in the state of Illinois is farmland. And uh, much of the population is in the northeast corner of the state. And so uh, when we look at all the counties, the 102 counties uh, across the state, there really are different characteristics to each one. Uh, and so we've tried to look at the, uh, you know, we, we put in stay-at-home orders that were really across the board, uh, very effective. And now we've looked at what the infection rate has been, different in Cook County than it is in our collar counties, and different in our Cook and collar counties than it is in other counties across the state. And now I think we can make some adjustments based upon hospitalization rates, based upon ICU bed availability, uh, based upon infection rates, 
uh, as we look to how can we begin to adjust things and work toward, after the peak, really reopening the economy. When you say some adjustments, Governor, is it fair to predict that in May, when you think about your emergency powers, you may keep the stay-at-home order for some counties but allow other counties in the state to open up? Well, we're certainly looking at, like I said, the different characteristics of regions of our state. And I, we're going to make adjustments here uh, based on what we've learned and seen in the infection rates. And I'm doing all of that, though, based upon the advice of the epidemiologists and the scientists and the data that we've got. What about that coalition of Midwestern governors who are trying to decide together? Does that weigh in on your thinking at all? Well, I saw that you had Governor Whitmer on just before me, and I have great respect for her. She's really dealing with quite a lot in Michigan right now with the infections and, and hospitalization rates, um, and she's done a, a terrific job. Um, what I'll tell you is that we all got together to talk about what are the common principles that we have and how can we operate in a somewhat concerted fashion to share information. Of course, we all are doing it slightly differently. Our states are different. Uh, characteristics and, and needs. Uh, but we have the common principles of trying to keep people healthy while understanding that our Midwestern economies uh, are ones that are based on manufacturing, are ones that, you know, where we have a, a lot of other industries that are different perhaps than are in New York City or in, you know, areas of California. And of course, we've got lots of agriculture here in the Midwest. So we have common principles. And I want to remind everybody that, you know, we're, our coalition is a bipartisan one. We've got, you know, the governor of Ohio, Governor DeWine, the governor of Indiana, Governor Holcomb, uh, along with uh, Governor Bashir in Kentucky and uh, Governor Walls in Minnesota and, and Whitmer in, uh, in Michigan and me. Uh, and we're we're talking constantly about what are you doing that we ought to do? You know, how can we do these things together? And especially where we have common borders. You're talking with Midwestern governors, but are you f talking at all with President Trump? Yeah, so I've talked to President Trump uh, more often, of course, with Vice President Pence. I heard some comments that uh, Governor Whitmer made about uh, the fact that Governor Pence, uh, sorry, that Vice President Pence uh, was a former governor. Uh, and understands a lot better uh, what governors are going through. And I will second that. Um, he has been a very communicative, uh, very cordial. And uh, I have to say, when I need to reach out to the White House, he's most likely the first call that I'll make. But President Trump, as you well know, criticized you by name on Monday, just yesterday, claiming you, quote, didn't understand your state's testing capacity. What's your response to that statement by the president? Well, I don't watch those press conferences because well, I, I just told you what he said. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I try to base all my opinions on fact. Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is that the uh, president doesn't seem to understand the difference between testing capacity and getting testing results. Uh, testing capacity, what he's referring to is, hey, you've got enough machines in each of your states to run tests that will give you, you know, hundreds of thousands of results. Well, he may be right, and he is right in Illinois, but what he's not right about is we don't have the supplies to run those tests. So you've got the capacity because you've got the machines, but remember, you need uh, everything from swabs to, you know, VTM, viral transport medium, to RNA extractor, you know, reagent. 
And if you don't have all those, and by the way, there's a worldwide shortage of all of those things, then you can't run a test. And then add to that that uh, in order to do what he's suggesting, you'd have to run these machines 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Well, many of these machines are in private doctor's offices, uh, in private hospitals. You know, in order for us to even run any tests, you have to have an agreement with those doctors or with those hospitals, which we've tried to do across the state. But then you need lab technicians that can actually run those tests for you. Well, guess what? In order to run machines 24-7, you need three shifts of lab technicians on, a, on these machines. So the idea that we could actually do that without the supplies, without enough lab technicians, that, you know, is kind of crazy. So what we needed was for the federal government, still need the federal government to enact the Defense Production Act to make it easier for us to obtain the swabs and the VTM and the, the uh, reagent that we need. None of that has been done at the federal government level. Uh, that's the mistake that has been made all along here. We could have organized this and led this at a federal level. You know, everybody, including libertarians, would tell you that, the purpose of the federal government at a minimum is to manage a national emergency. And this is a national emergency and it's not being managed well from the White House. Why would you want to see the Defense Production Act use versus more appropriations from the federal government to provide you with that testing material? Well, again, providing us the dollars for the testing material doesn't really do the trick. Uh, what we've got to do is there's a worldwide market for these things. What we need to do is make sure we're producing it and acquiring it as a nation for our states. But instead, what's happening is, just like with PPE, we're competing against each other. Now, what that's led to some innovation. In my state, uh, we've had our universities working together to develop our own viral transport medium. So one of those supply items is being developed for us by our own laboratories and universities here but we need swabs. Those get manufactured by swab manufacturers. What are they doing right now? They're selling their swabs to anybody that is already a customer of theirs, including other nations. And so, you know, that's great that, that they're in the for-profit, you know, uh, uh, business of selling their swabs, but we're in a national emergency. We need them all here in the United States and we need them distributed based upon need the governor of Michigan has a real problem, I know, in Detroit and across her state in terms of the infection rate and hospitalization rate. And she needs to know, she needs to do the testing to know where the outbreaks are coming next. And if we're not supplying as a nation to places where there is a real hotspot, we're not doing it right. Governor Cuomo of New York is at the White House today. And we hear a lot about the Javits Center, but there's also McCormick Place in Chicago. Have you been satisfied with the way the federal government has handled that and converting it into a hospital? So the Army Corps of Engineers and the Army and our National Guard here and our uh, great trade unions worked together to build out the first hall at McCormick Place in five days. So these Army Corps of Engineer folks and the folks that came to us from FEMA and HHS working together to get that spun up truly amazing and I'm grateful for the work that they've done. Look, there's a lot that the federal government can provide to the states and this was one where, you know, our McCormick Place has turned out to be a, a great place for us to have surge capacity uh, for our hospitals. Um, but it's on these other items where, you know, leading the entire nation by leading us into the stay at home, which they didn't do, 
um, you know, giving advice to everybody about how it should be done, and uh, and then providing with the Defense Production Act the ability to acquire the supplies necessary for the testing. And oh, by the way, we also need tracing and tracking that goes along with that testing so you can make sure you have people self-isolating if they've been exposed to somebody. Uh, and then, of course, we need the PPE that's necessary. If they had done all of that early on, we would be in a much better place than we are today. Having said that, we've realized that, that when uh, the President Trump makes a promise that often that doesn't get delivered upon. And so we're just out here working our, out uh, you know, on our own what's best for our states, getting what we needed, need and delivering what we need. And, and we're, we're getting the job done. You've detailed your view of the federal response, Governor, but what about the president's rhetoric? I asked Governor Whitmer about this, this liberate phrase when it comes to states. Do you believe, as the governor of Illinois, that President Trump is stoking civil unrest? Yeah, I'm very disappointed with the rhetoric and messaging uh, coming from the president. We should be pulling people together right now. We are here in Illinois, Democrats and Republicans working together. I have frequent conversations with the elected officials around my state who are not in my own party. Um, and we all share the common goal of opening our economy and getting people back to school and back to normal as fast as we can, but with the overriding concern for people's safety and health. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the message coming out of the president when he tweets out liberate Michigan or liberate Minnesota or liberate Virginia. He's fomenting uh, protest. And I hate to say that is fomenting some violence. And I'm very concerned about what that might mean for the country if he keeps doing things like that. We should be bringing people together, not dividing people now. What, what do you think it could mean down the line? Well, I, you know, I, I know what he's trying to do. It's a political maneuver in the middle of a national emergency, and uh, yeah, he should stop it. Uh, but, you know, what could it mean? It could mean, you know, terrible things. You could end up with violence. Uh, you certainly are seeing that people are believing his rhetoric, uh, even repeating the rhetoric uh, that he had a month ago or so where he was calling this a hoax. And, you know, people are going out in public in large crowds not in Springfield where there were only 20, but I saw in Michigan and other places, large crowds where they're frankly going to be giving each other coronavirus and people unfortunately will get sick and some people may die as a result of the president's rhetoric uh, that has brought them out to protest. That's all the time we have. Governor Pritzker, really appreciate your time and wish you the best as you deal with this pandemic. Thank you very Thanks. much. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you all for joining us this afternoon for another conversation on Washington Post Live. We will be back uh, many times this week and in the coming weeks to have more conversations about this pandemic, about how it's affecting your life. If you want to make sure you, you watch these discussions, go to WashingtonPost.com slash Post Live. You'll find everything you need to know right there. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.